Pastor Mark, actually it's when we were coming home from Nigeria, the Lord spoke to him concerning having impartation services. Now we know that in reality, every time that you come to a church, especially like ours, and you hear the word of God and the spirit of God ministers to you, you receive an impartation. Amen. Because the word does not return void. But we also know that there can be special emphasis on certain subjects. And so that's what we are doing right now is we are having, uh, I don't know how often we're going to do it, but tonight we've had one and tonight is an impartation service where we believe that God's going to help us to minister right from our hearts and share some truths with you. And then that there will be an anointing to lay hands on people. And so I just encourage encourage you right now just to get your expectors out there not looking at me but looking to him and believing whatever you need you're going to receive amen so pastor mark and i again we don't like you know we're not drawing attention to us all glory goes to him but we have been in ministry we're approaching our 41st year in the month of july we've been in ministry our entire married life we met at Rama Bible Training Center there in, in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. We were married shortly after. But Rama was a divine appointment for both of us. My husband, you know, his testimony had just gotten off of drug addiction not that long before and ended up there. And he needed, you know, y'all may not know this, but he needed a lot of mind renewal, which God is God. God, the Holy Ghost and his wife have done a really good job. <laughs> And anyway, so Rhema was definitely a divine appointment. But, you know, Rhema was a divine appointment for me as well because I grew up in a good Christian home, but we had just come through a very tragic time in our family. My precious Pentecostal mother died at the age of 51. She lost her battle with cancer. She was believing God. And, you know, I just about didn't go to Rhema. I had applied before she got sick. And then she died in January. And I was like, I'm not going. This faith stuff does not work. I prayed for my mom. She didn't receive her healing. But the Holy Ghost on the inside of me just kept prompting me, no, you need to go. Go, go. And questions that you have will be answered. It's all right. You know, sometimes we face things in life. And have you ever had a question? I wasn't questioning God. I knew I loved God. I wasn't running from him. But in my heart was this question of why did this happen? But you know, God sets us in the right place at the right time. And of course, I needed to be there that very year for a couple of reasons. One was the divine connection of my husband. Raymond was only one year. And God orchestrated. I lived in an apartment right upstairs and he lived in the apartment downstairs. And I knew how to cook up some southern cooking. And I think he smelled all that stuff that was happening upstairs. And the rest is history. He acted on that verse, a way to a man's heart is through his stomach. You know, it's not really a verse, but probably a good proverb. (laughs) It worked in this case. 
So we had this divine connection of meeting each other, but also the divine connection to that ministry, Rama, and to Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, who's now in heaven, our spiritual father. I did get my questions answered. I was sitting in class and I can remember it to this day. He began to tell the story of when his sister, who was in her 50s, had died of cancer. And he was troubled about it. And after her funeral, he was caught up to heaven. And he saw his sister and he saw the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus was talking to his sister. She turned around to greet him. And she said, Kenneth, don't feel bad that you couldn't pray and get my healing. And all she said There were reasons. And then the Lord said to him, this scripture, the secret things belong to the Lord. Put it on the shelf and don't touch it in your thought life anymore. It's between me and her. And I just sat there in class and went, well, there's my answer. So, I mean, you know, God puts people in our lives to help us, to impart revelation, to impart truth to us that we maybe are not going to get by ourselves. God uses men and God uses women. And we were so blessed to be under that ministry, to go to Rama Bible Training Center and then work there for a period of time before we went out into full-time ministry. And it was a divine Hookup. There's glorious hookups. Did you know that? For your life. There's divine appointments and there's glorious connections. And Kenneth E. Hagan was one for us. We're not glorifying a man, but he did stand in the office of a prophet and he imparted things to us. We were blessed. He laid hands on us numerous times. He actually was here at the church many times. Some of you older saints that have been with us for years. Were you ever in one of his meetings here? We got quite a few and the rest of you, you're getting that anointing that was on his life because he laid hands on us and we believe that it is transmittable and we knew enough to value and esteem that divine connection. God did it. God did it. And I know that connection helped us stand in the office and the call that were on our lives. Again, we're not lifting up a person, but you need to recognize when God puts people in your life that they have a, a gift and a call upon them. And it's not just always people standing behind the, the pulpit. Your brothers and sisters in Christ can speak into your lives. We need to honor and we need to sting giftings in each other. Amen? Amen. People have things to impart into us. The word impart means this, to give, to share, to communicate, to convey, to pass on, to bestow, or to transmit. And in the Hebrew, the word literally means this, that we do these things and we do it liberally and generously. Our God is a liberal God, not liberal from the, the sense that we say liberal, but he is liberal with his blessings. He is generous, amen, with his love. For God so loved the world that he gave. And what did he give? He gave heaven's very best. He gave his only begotten beloved son. I say that's been pretty generous. I say that's been lavish and liberally bestowing upon us. He imparted to us 
Jesus and the anointing upon his life. How many of you in here have received Jesus into your life? You know without a shadow of doubt you are born again. You're on your way to heaven singing and shouting the victory. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? So we have received, first of all, the gift of salvation. In uh, Matthew chapter 10, often we quote just the last part of this verse. I was looking at it yesterday. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. And it says this, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. And then this is a part that we always quote. Freely you have received, freely give. Now y'all raised your hands, most of you saying that you've been born again. So that means that you've been cleansed from sin. You've been made a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. So because you have freely received the gift of salvation, what are you supposed to do with that? Freely you've received, what are you supposed to do with it? Freely give. Did it cost you anything? Did you have to buy your salvation? Absolutely not. It was free. How many of you in here have ever been healed by Jesus? Well, look at all of those hands. Did it cost you any money? Did it cost you to be healed? No. So what are you supposed to do? If you've been healed, what are you supposed to do? Freely give. Doesn't the Bible say that believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? It doesn't just say that pastors and prophets, teachers, no. Believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So when we freely have been healed, we need to go out and share that good news with other people, right? How about this? You know, maybe you were delivered from some sort of demonic oppression. Then what are we supposed to do? Freely give, freely go out and tell people that Jesus came to set the captives free. Isn't that one of the things he said he was anointed to do? I have come to set the captives free. Every one of us has something to share. We can all share the good news. We've all been given gifts. And graces which are meant to be used for God's glory. Let's look over at Romans chapter 12. And I want to look at this passage out of the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 12 verse 7 and 8. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. Verse 8. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership abilities, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I love this passage of scripture because it's letting us see that there are grace gifts in the body of Christ that maybe we don't talk about or they don't get esteemed. But this verse right here said it really puts serving right up there with teaching. It's the first thing he mentions. If your gift is serving, serve well. And I might add that every single Person in the body of Christ is called to serve. To serve Jesus, first of all, and to serve one another 
in love. The Bible talks about that in the book of Ephesians. We are called to serve each other. And we are called to serve in the local church. But this is highlighting here that serving is just as important as teaching. Maybe you grew up in a good Christian home. I hope that you did. Many people here probably did. I know that I did. And one of the things that was constantly modeled before me was serving. My parents were not fivefold ministry gift people. My dad was the Sunday school superintendent. He was a song leader. I mean, he'd go visit people. He'd pray for people. We'd go into the hospital. I mean, they, they did the work of ministry. They modeled to us to serve the Lord with joy. I cannot ever remember a time when it was, you know, Sunday morning was coming or even Wednesday night or when we had revival for two weeks straight every night that my parents ever said, oh, man, it's time to go to church. Oh, bummer. No, I'm telling you, it was a day that we looked forward to. And on Saturday, my mom would get out our best little clothes, dresses that she'd made all of us girls, iron those dresses and get everything perfect. Get your shoes shined and all because tomorrow is church and we get to serve the Lord. It was always get to serve the Lord. It wasn't we, ah, we have to go to church again. No. And you know what? It was a lifestyle of serving that wasn't just on Sunday. Many times we'd go down there during the week. My mom would be cleaning the church on the inside. My dad would be mowing the yard outside. Just looking for a way to serve people. They both had that grace gift. And I know that it was imparted into us. Because I took great joy, and I still do, in serving the Lord. And then this passage said, if you have the gift of encouragement, encourage people. Just do it. Some people say, well, I don't have much to offer. Can you smile? <laughs> Let me see. Can you? I'm not sure all of you can. Can you smile? Yes. Let me see those pearly whites out there. All right. That's encouraging. You know, sometimes even if you're in the store and the checker's getting frustrated because people are being impatient and all of that stuff, just walking up and just smile and say, how are you today? Or God bless you. I am saying God bless you all the time now. Yay. With boldness. But say it with a smile on your face. That's encouraging to people. How about just a kind word? That can encourage people. Or you know, sometimes we think these things. We see somebody maybe at church, maybe somebody on the job, and we think, they have a new hairstyle. That looks really nice on them. Or I think that's a new outfit. They look really good today. And we just think that. You know, they might not be having such a good day. They may not be feeling that great about their new hairstyle or their new outfit. And you just say, wow, I love it. You look so great. You know what it does? It encourages people. So we should not lightly esteem these opportunities. You know what you're doing? You're bestowing. You're imparting. You're imparting the love of God to people just by those acts of kindness. 
and encouraging words. We all don't, you know, and don't feel like I don't have that much to offer. Don't think encouragement. Don't think in serving. Don't think showing the love of Jesus and just being flat out right kind. There's a novel idea. Christians being kind and nice to each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a yay back there from Misha. Do you call into the office and Misha or whoever's on the phone? It might be Sabrina now. And they may be busy and you may be in a hurry or whatever. Be nice. Just be nice. Would it be nice if people that came into your restaurant, wouldn't it be nice if they were nice? But let's show kindness. And don't say, oh, I just don't have anything to give. Oh, yes, you do. I don't have anything to impart. Oh, yes, you do. And then it also said that there are people that have the gift of giving. Now, don't say, oh, well, I don't have that gift, so I don't have to give. No. Everyone, all believers are called to sow. Sow your time, your talent, and your treasure. And your treasure is not just something that you're going to dig up in your backyard, maybe. No, your treasure is your money. It's your resources. And we're supposed to sow those cheerfully, every single one of us. And we're also, as believers... Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, we're supposed to be tithers. And tither means the tenth. Every one of us are called to give of our resources. But this scripture let us, lets us know that there really are people that are specially anointed to make money. And God knows their heart is right. And they can handle it. And they're anointed to make money to put it into the gospel. To finance the work of God. Some of you out there might be sitting on that talent. Get with the program, will you? Find out what God wants you to do. Maybe God wants to give you a creative idea to pay off this building. Hallelujah. It could be that some of you have this anointing just to make money and to sow it into the kingdom of God. Yielded that gift, okay? If that's you. And then he said also... That some of you have this leadership ability. But I find that interesting. He said, if you are one that has this leadership ability, are you supposed to abuse people and walk around and say, I'm the boss of you? You know, that doesn't work. That doesn't work very well in a marriage, does it either? I'm the head. I'm leading this boat. You know, if that happens, you might want to say, well, look, clown, sit down. You are rocking the boat. You know, whatever. <laughs> Leadership ability. Take the responsibility. It connects leadership with responsibility. See, all people, sometimes they see someone in a position of authority or in leadership, and they're like, oh, man, that's awesome. That'd be so great. I wished I could be in that place of position. Well, you know what? You probably can't if handle the responsibility. Leadership is a privilege and it's an honor. That's how we feel about being pastors here. But it is also a responsibility. 
to know what you're supposed to do and how to lead people. There you go. Lead. The first four words of it, of leadership is lead. If you're trying to lead and nobody's following, probably ain't got that gift. <laughs> leadership doesn't work unless there's a group that you're leading and they're following. But it is a responsibility. It's also an honor and it's a joy. So that's part of what we wanted to lay the foundation on tonight because this is really what describes Pastor Mark and I's heart. And this is over in Romans chapter 1 verse 11 for this impartation service. You're hearing some truths from the word, but we're also going to be laying hands on folks in here just a little bit. Romans chapter 1 verse 11. In the New King James, it says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Now, I want to read that verse out of the Amplified. For I am yearning to see you. So first he said, I long to see you. And then it gets even a little more, you know, just uh, up to it when he says, I'm yearning to see you. That I may impart, I may bestow, I may transmit to you and share with you some spiritual gift. Why? To strengthen and establish you. That's how Pastor Mark and I feel about the people here at Heart of the Bay. That we want to impart things into your life so that you may be strengthened and be established. When we were in Nigeria, Pastor just stepped into another place. And while we were there ministering, the Lord spoke to him, him and Pastor Andy, about impart That you need to impart what's on the inside of you. And that's when we ended up laying hands on people for two hours or so or more. But anyway, it was a good thing. But when we were coming home, the Lord said, don't wait until you go on another missions trip. Or you go out and minister to another group of people to impart. Start with your own congregation. And sometimes familiarity... It gets, when you're pastoring, people say, well, n- not you guys, but you know, people could say, oh, that's just Pastor Tom. Good old Pastor Tom. Good old Pastor Tom. My buddy, good old Pastor Tom. Good old Pastor Tom. No. We don't ever want to get so familiar. And again, I'm not lifting up us or men or women of God. But if you're in a congregation for as long as we've been pastoring here at Heart of the Bay, people can begin to just see, yeah, it's Pastor Mark's preaching again. Oh, it's Sunday night in Hayward, Pastor Brenda. I think I'll stay home and watch TV. There's a lot more interesting on TV. No, every one of us have to honor and esteem, not looking at a man, but the gifts and the anointing. The anointing of a pastor is awesome. And it is called every one of the fivefold ministry gifts. The book of Ephesians said are called to equip the saints so they can do the work of the ministry. 
I talked about Dad Hagen laying hands on us. People, men and women of God, others that we highly esteem have laid hands on us. I know when I was, I've always loved to pray. But I know when I was developing and learning in prayer, I would get just as close as I could. Or that doesn't mean you have to have a personal relationship, but it means that you listen to their teaching. If you can, you get in their meetings to people, men and women that I knew that they knew how to pray more than I knew how to pray. And I would draw on that gifting in them. And I acted on that scripture, watch and pray. So sometimes I'd be in these meetings and I was praying, but I'd keep one eye open. I wanted to watch them. Watch and learn. That's how you develop what's on the inside of you. Because I knew for sure, you know, that, that I had this thing on the inside of me about praying, but I also knew that it needed to be developed. Every one of us can grow and develop more in the gifts that God has put on the inside of us. Rich deposits. Any of you have believed that? Rich deposits have been put into you by the word, by the spirit of God, by setting under anointed sermons. Amen. So when we do go to lay hands on folks, we need to know that we mix faith with that anointing. We don't have anything in the natural to give you, but we do have spiritual giftings and grace anointings upon our life that I believe can be transmitted to you. And one of the ways is through laying on of hands. We won't go into a big teaching on that, but in the book of Hebrews, it says different doctrines of the church. And one of them is the doctrine of laying on of hands. We don't ever want, you know, just anybody laying hands on you. You should know who's laying hands on you and what, how they're living and what they're transmitting. But folks, this is a safe place. Your pastors love you. You're not going to get anything weird and funky coming up here and getting hands laid up on you. Amen. The anointing of God. Hallelujah. And different ministers and pastors have avenues or streams, if you would, that they flow in. Now, a pastor has to be like a, an MD doctor. He has to be, you know, he has to be well-versed on many subjects to teach the congregation. But even pastors, they can have a certain bent and a certain anointing that is more prevalent in their life and ministry than other areas. I know myself, for me, it is in the area of prayer, and it's, and it's also in the area of Holy Ghost and joy. I think part of that is because I was filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 11 years old. And from the time that I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I was full of joy. And I did not understand when I would see Christians that were sad and sorry. It troubled me to see sad saints. Because I know this to be a fact. The Bible says it. He hath made me sad. He hath made me sad. No. He hath made me glad. He hath made me glad. You cannot get a sad Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is not sad. You get filled with the Holy Ghost. And I realize this is new for some of you. And some of you in here probably are not yet filled with the Holy Ghost. But keep hanging around the creek bank. And you're going to slide on in. I'm telling you, it's awesome. 
you get filled with the Holy Ghost, listen. Acts 13.52 says this. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, joy will be present. Doesn't mean that you're not going to have opportunities for that joy to leak out. But the joy of the Lord is there. That's why he said that we needed to have times of refreshing. We need to drink in of the Spirit of God on a regular basis. And then this one, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but what is it? Righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Ghost. That tells me if you're in the kingdom of God, you need to know you're the righteousness of God, first of all. But you also are going to have a peace. And you're going to have a joy. The world, I, the world didn't give this peace to me. The world didn't give this joy to me. And the world can't take it away. Circumstances come at all of us. And they try to drain the joy. They try to attack our peace. But they can't take it if we won't let them. Joy is a spiritual force. Hallelujah. Heart of the Bay Christian Center. One of the characteristics of our church is that we are a place of joy. We are a word and we are a spirit church. And joy is a strong characteristic of HBCC. You maybe can't tell that by the look of the person's face next to you. But if you were here today, we're speaking faith-filled words. I go back and remind myself, we've mentioned Dad Hagen quite a bit tonight because he is our spiritual father and he was a mentor to us and helped us so much in growing in the things of God and developing in ministry. But one of the times that he was at our church over on Royal Avenue in the morning service, he was praying and out of his mouth, he said, happy, 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 happy. Happy. Seven times he said happy. And then he said, it will be said by some, that's the happiest bunch of people I've ever seen. So, turn to your neighbor and say, you're happy whether you know it or not. Because you are in a happy place. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. Disneyland is not the happiest place on earth. And especially if you go there on July 4th or on a holiday, it ain't happy. No way, no how. But being in the presence of the Lord, being in a church where the word is preached and the spirit of God is moving is the happiest place on earth. HBCC is a happy place. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Anybody in here, God is your Lord? Woo! Well, then you got scripture to be happy. Happiness 
Is joy important in our Christian walk? Doesn't the Bible tell us over in Nehemiah 18, the joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. We've got places to go. We've got things to do. We have a race to run. And we can't get there if we're worn out, weary, tired, and burnt out. And the only way to prevent that is to stay hooked up with the source of joy. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our peace. Hallelujah. Pastor Mark and I, I tell you, we can contribute lasting this long in ministry to lots of different things. But one real strong component is that we laugh a lot. And don't be offended, but sometimes I laugh at you guys. (laughs) Funny things happen in church. I'll just say that. Funny things can happen in church. And I think God just has that happen sometimes just because he's like, oh, man, they're way too serious. Those folks need to lighten up a bit. My dad was he was just famous for saying things in church. He loved the Lord, but he had such a sense of humor. And this one guy got up to sing one time. and He loved to tell this story. This guy started singing. Well, I got born again. I got saved. I took all my booze and I threw it in the river. I took my tobacco, tobacco, that's how you say it in Oklahoma, my tobacco and my snuff and I threw it in the river. Now I want to sing for you. Shall we gather at the river? (laughs) And then this other guy, my dad loved these stories. I don't know if they were true or not, but he loved to tell them over and over. Then this one guy got up to sing and he said, oh, I remember the time when I used to just hang out in the bars and I used to do all this crazy stuff, get falling down drunk and everything. But then I got saved and I want to sing for you precious memories. (laughs) Anyhow, it's good to laugh. It's good to rejoice in the Lord our God. I've always seen it like this, that God has a table. Doesn't the Bible say he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies? That ought to tell you something right there, that the enemy is going to constantly be trying to steal these things from the table. But he doesn't have a seat there. He doesn't have a chair at the table. He's trying to be sneaky and get, get your dose of peace. He's trying to get your healing while you're seated there at the table. And on this table, the Bible says healing is the children's bread. On this table is a beautiful platter of peace. And I don't know why, because I've never drank out of a, a jug per se, but on this table, I see a jug of joy and you've got to learn to drink freely from the joy of the Lord. Amen. Ha 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 ha. Sometimes you just do it by faith. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. Let's all stand. This is what's going to happen tonight. Hallelujah. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 
God. Ha, ha. Oh, bless the Lord. Ha, 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 ha. We thank you, Lord, for joy in this place. We thank you, Lord, for refreshing us. Ha, 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 ha. Times of refreshing that come from your presence. Your presence is here. Hallelujah. Now, everybody, don't stop now. Everybody lift up your hands. If you pray in tongues, start praying in the spirit. If you don't, just start going, ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. Or whichever one you want to do. We're charging the atmosphere right now with joy.